to spend some time with you. Would you answer all his questions or lie to hide the truth? Would you welcome him with open arms or even let him in? If Jesus comes tomorrow, what then? If Jesus calls your number, could you leave today? Are you ready to lay down your holy goods and walk away? Would it take a month of Sundays just to tell him of your sins? If Jesus comes tomorrow, what then? If the sky turns black as midnight in the middle of the day, and somehow you knew that Jesus would soon be on his way, would you have? reach out and take his hand. If Jesus comes tomorrow, what then? If the sky turns black as midnight, if the sky turns black as Children, come on up front. Is it? Yeah. 
Miss Pat, you stand up. Nope, I don't see a name there. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, you know who else doesn't listen? You know who else failed? Do you remember in the Garden of Eden? What happened? They didn't listen, did they? They were naughty, Mia. I like that. That was right. Eve did not listen to God. She ate of the apple, didn't she? From She wasn't supposed to, was she? The only rule they were given in the Garden of Eden was not to eat from the tree of knowledge. And what did she do? And she didn't eat all of them. She just ate one, but that was enough, wasn't it? Yeah. But you know what happened after that? Adam, that's right, both of them got in trouble because Adam ate one too, didn't he? Yeah! I tell you, what in the world? So listen, what happened after that once they ate it? Do you remember what happened? Yeah, they ate that So they hid, didn't they? They hid from God. Why do you think they hid? Behave. Do you hide from your mommies and daddies? Oh, you don't. So when you when you misbehave, you go straight up to them and tell them, "Hey, I did this." Do you tell them when you do something wrong? Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Well, good job, mamas and daddies. Y'all are doing your job. Well, let me tell you, I was not that good. When I did something wrong, I hid. I went into hiding. You know why? Because I didn't want them to find me. Because I didn't want them to know I did something bad. Speaking of. Speaking of. What did you do? Well, it is a too long of a list. And we just be here all day. But listen. Listen. Speaking of going missing. Wait. Hey. Hey, dinosaurs. Listen. Speaking of going into hiding. Where did Charlie and Ryan go? I think they're playing hide and seek. I think they know they were naughty. I think y'all need to go find them. We need to go find them. Because what does God do? He will talk to them. Because you know why? Because even when you have been bad, God still loves you. And even when we make mistakes, God still loves you. Okay? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to go find Charlie, and I want you to go find Ryan, and I want you to know, I want you to tell them, we love you, and God does too. So go find them. Let me see how good of seekers y'all are. Because God's a really good seeker. All right, hurry up. Y'all are faster than this on the playground. Okay, that's not good. You got, okay. Did you find them? Yeah. All right, you got one. Where's the other one? We got to make sure we get both of them. Where is he? Where's Ryan? Did you find him? Is he over there? Tell him. for allowing us to know that you always love us even when we misbehave. Thank you for being a merciful God and always forgiving us. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, Megan, very much. And thank you, kids, <laughs> for interacting so well. Ashley, if, uh, okay, can you um, make sure that that thing's ready to play through the thing for the end of service, but also advance it to the next slide for me, please. Um, <clears throat> I know I've shared some of what I'm about to share again with you in the past, but I hope you understand that uh, when it comes to Genesis chapters 1 to 11, they're the foundation for the whole rest of Scripture. And they also are the foundation for all the theology that we stand on. You know, why do we need a Savior? Oh, Genesis 1 to 11, right? What Megan was just talking about, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, why do we wear clothes? Genesis 1 to 11. Why is there evil and suffering in the world? In the world, Genesis 1 to 11. It is the basis for everything that we look at as Christians, okay? Why do we uh, marry male and female? Genesis 1 to 11. Why is there marriage in general? Genesis 1 to 11. Every theology goes back to those passages. And, um, and so when I, the, the story of Adam and Eve, even Jesus, when he was answering theological questions of his day, he actually brought in Adam and Eve to answer those questions. When they talked about divorce and, and remarriage, Jesus, what did he do? He went back to Genesis 1 to 11 to answer the questions, right? And so the story of Adam and Eve is foundational to all the rest of Scripture. And so you'll hear me go back there a ton of times because it just, it just to me, helps everything make sense. But I've had a few conversations with people in this church, and I really appreciate some of them. And I also know how I've felt in the past. And sometimes now I think I feel the same way, but it's hidden. And it's hard for me to discover the, the reason for the angst that I feel on the inside, where it was easier when I was younger and, and had less responsibilities. But when Adam and Eve sinned, I want to call your attention to something. It says, the eyes of both of them, Genesis 3, 7, were opened and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, I don't want anybody to answer this, but why do you think they did that? Just in your own mind, just think for just a second. They knew that they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And I don't know, sometimes when I, and I'm a I don't want to embarrass my kids this morning, but sometimes when we call them out on something, right? This is what we get. Right? And I don't know if any of you have ever been called out on something like Megan said this morning, right? You want to go hide. You want to go get away from the hot seat, right? And if any of you have ever been sitting in a church pew and felt God put his finger on something or at home and you feel, you get, feel God putting his finger on something and you just want to hide, want to tuck away in shame. And if any of you are privy to what shame feels like, it is not pretty at all. It's no fun. 
And so when I think about Adam and Eve realizing they, they, their complete loss of innocence and they were naked and didn't even know it and now they're naked, it's like they're realizing their shame. They're waking up to something they have never experienced before. And so when God comes in the garden in the cool of the day to walk with them, it's like, oh, 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 oh no. And even though they had covered themselves, they still couldn't get rid of the shame. And so they hide. And guys, I want to show you something this morning. It says, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? So now he's in the hot seat. <coughs> the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. He's putting the blame on the woman, but also he's putting the blame on God himself, right? He's trying to get himself out of the position of shame. And God begins to deal out the punishments. We're not going to go in detail in all of this, but the very interesting passage here in Genesis 3, 21. After God promises in Genesis 3, 15 that he is going to bring a Messiah, a rescuer who's going to crush the serpent's head, he says this, and I've, I've read this in here before. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Whoa. You mean God stepped into their moment of shame and did something a loving father would do. And actually made clothes for him to cover up the shame. Y'all see that? You know, so many times we think of the Old Testament, we think God being a hard God and harsh and and it just discipline and holiness. And, and I love Wallace's Sunday school lesson this morning because it focused on the fact that God is a jealous God and he's jealous over his love relationship with us. And more than anything, he wants that to be restored. Can you picture a loving God taking an animal and because the consequence of sin is death, killing an animal that he's just recently created just because he wants to cover the shame of his prize creation, Adam and Eve. And that's love, guys. That's love. And this idea of God coming into the garden to a couple that is hiding and saying, where are you? And really, guys, the echo of that statement is all throughout the scriptures. And if you look at Genesis to Revelation, the one main story is God, as the choir sang about, leaving his home in heaven and coming down to say, where are you? Where are you? And you and I may be sitting there like this. in a church service. Or maybe it's worse than that. Maybe, maybe we're at the point now where we can't even come through the, the back door. And we may pull up into the parking lot a little bit and we may stay out there and say, I know I wanna go in. I want my relationship right with God, but you just can't bring yourself to come through the doors. Or maybe, maybe it's been so long and maybe it's been so hard and there's so much hurt and there's so much shame that you can't even bring yourself to drive to the parking lot. 
you sit at home and you know you want to be right with God. But you wonder how in the world, after such a long time, could there be love for someone like you? Right? Toby Mack, um, he's in his 50s. He, uh, over the last several years, just recently lost his son to a drug overdose. And he, his new album, which came out this year, has a song on it called Space. And he does the song with Kevin Max and uh, Michael Tate, <clears throat> who used to be part of a group with him called DC Talk way back when I was in high school. Um, and I may... I printed off the wrong notes. Um, and I wanted to quote those lyrics for you. But the song is... Would you step across the party line? Or would you step into my sail? What's he talking about? What? Prison. Prison. Right? What are we going to do with this space? This space in between us. And then he says, would you show up at the well? Would you step across the party line? Would you show up at my cell? Would you show up at the well? This is the second verse of the song. What is he talking about there? Huh? The woman at the well. Do y'all realize? <clears throat> do y'all realize <clears throat> that when Israel was disobeying God and God had to come down in his discipline and send Assyria in to deport them off, Assyria brought in people from other nations to live in that Samaria area in the middle between Galilee and the Dead Sea. <clears throat> so this is the Canaan, this is the land of Israel, and you got the Dead Sea and Galilee, and then Samaria would be right in here. And so when Jesus, and when most Jews would travel, what they would do to avoid the half-breeds of the Samaritans is they would come across the Jordan River and come up over here just to get to the Sea of Galilee so they wouldn't have to speak to a Samaritan. And if you read John chapter 4, you will see where it says Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Right? Mm -hmm. These half-breeds that are Jews that have been intermarried with these other nations that Assyria brought in to Samaria when they conquered Israel way back in the 700s B.C. Right? And so Jesus comes to the well, sits down with a woman, which was kind of ris risky, right? Back in his day. And not only that, this woman had had like five husbands. And the one she was with wasn't even her husband. And it says Jesus had to pass through Samaria. And I picture this idea of a God who leaves his throne, who leaves heaven to reach a world that is just lost in their shame. And he's asking the question, where are you? And we've been studying in Colossians chapter 1. We've been studying about, last week we, we talked about the fact that the mystery of the faith is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and we can put it another way. Christ in you is the undoing of all your sins and your shame. Right? Because the reason we have shame is because of sin. 
And if he comes to rescue us from our sin, then he's going to rescue us from our shame. But not only that, this idea last week we talked about of the Gentiles. And when that word Gentiles was used a majority of the time, it meant those nations other than God's chosen nation, Israel. Those pagans. Those women at the well. Those Eves and Adams. Right? And I wasn't through last week with calling our attention to some of these aspects of God's love for the world and his redemption of our shame. And so what I'd like to do this week is for us to pick up that thought one more time. And since I printed off the wrong notes, y'all bear with me because I'm going to have to try to do this from memory. All right. So. This idea of God's love for the world, God's love for the nations, for those who are other than Israel, and God's love for the pagan. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 18, 19. Genesis chapter 18, 19. So in chapter 18, we're not going to read this, but God's come to Abraham and and, and remember that that Lot is distant kin to Abraham. He's he's actually, I believe he's his nephew. Okay, his nephew. All right. So Abraham's brother's son and his brother died and Abraham's dad died when they were in Haran. And so now Abraham's got his wife, Sarah, and he's got Lot. And so Lot's traveling with Abraham. When they get to the point where their livestocks are so many, Lot's livestock is many. Abraham's livestock is so many that their herdsmen are quarreling over the green grass that's there. And Abraham tells Lot, you go choose which spot that you want better, right? And then I'll take my my herd and my livestock and I'll go somewhere different. So... Um, Ashley, advance it to the, to the next slide, if you wouldn't mind, please. Let's see if it's a little better picture. All right. Over here is Egypt. And then you've got the Red Sea, okay? You've got the Sinai Peninsula where Mount Sinai is down here, where Moses would have come over here, um, to meet his father-in-law and Zipporah, his wife, and then come back over here herding the sheep and end up on the mountain experiencing God, okay? Up here is Israel. You see the Sea of Galilee at the top, the Dead Sea here, and we'll talk about these guys in just a minute maybe. Um, But Lot and Abram are over in this area here, And Lot looks down near the Dead Sea and he sees all the lush green that's around where the water is. And Lot says, I'll take that spot. Okay. Well, now in Genesis chapter 18, God comes to Abram and he says, shall I reveal what I'm about to do? Because Lot had settled himself in near two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, very evil, very wicked cities. Now understand, God must punish sin. But I want you to also understand something else. God loves to rescue from his punishment. Okay, and that's exactly what happened with Lot. Abraham began to negotiate with God. God, if there's only 10 righteous, will you, will you hold back your punishment? God, if there's, you know, if there's only whatever, 50, 50 on down to 10, and, and then finally God sends two angels down. They go in to where Lot's living. Lot pulls them in his house. There's a whole risque engagement there. I mean, the Bible, I love the Bible because it's real. It's real to raw. Okay, 
and, 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 and we get a revelation of why God is going to destroy these cities. Verse 12 of chapter 19, I want you to look at that. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place. Because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. You get that? We're, we're, we kind of get stuck. And I don't know if any of you, any, any of you are like, like me, and, and you, know, you know you shouldn't remain here in this spot where the temptation is so strong. You know you should shouldn't stay here where the punishment of God is going to come down. You know you shouldn't be there, but you can't quite find yourself energy enough in yourself to get up and move out. And God, with his angels, grabs Lot, Lot's hand and said, let's go. It's coming. He rescues Lot. And God desires to rescue people from his wrath because he loves them and wants to cover their shame. The story gets a little more weird, right? So they go out of the city. The angels tell them, hey, y'all don't stop. Don't look back. Just go, go to the mountains. He said, I just can't flee to the mountains. That's too far. Let me go to this next city up here. It's a little smaller. And the angels say, all right, you go. Just go. Don't look back. Lot's wife looks back and immediately she turns into a pillar of salt, right? Well, they get wherever they're, actually, Lot ends up in the mountains. Well, his two daughters think that they're the only ones left on earth after seeing the destruction of God. And they said, let's get our daddy drunk. Yeah, this is in scripture, guys. Let's get our daddy drunk and we can have kids by him since there's nobody else on earth. And so if you read in the rest of the, the couple of chapters there, we won't do it because we're going to try to rush on. The firstborn of Lot, the firstborn daughter had a son and he became the father of the Moabite nation. Y'all see that? Okay. Now, here's the deal. When Israel was wandering through the wilderness... And you can see where they came from Mount Hor after they tried to go up in here and they sent the 12 spies, 10 were bad, bad and two were good, okay? They tried to go up in this way and they didn't obey God. So God says, wander around the wilderness some more. So now he's going to take them in the back way. They come over here to, to Edom, which is Esau's descendants, okay? And they try to go in and Edom said, nope, you're not passing through. So they end up having to go all the way around and coming back around Moab and they're camped on the plains of Moab and then they end up at a city called Shittim and it's right across the way, the Jordan River, from a city called Jericho, okay? Moses is getting ready to die. Joshua's getting ready to take over. And the Moabites ask a guy by the name of Balaam to curse Israel because they're so scared of this more than million strong band who's now camping outside their borders. And remember, Balaam goes to curse them and God would not let Balaam curse them. And then you have the whole scene where he's riding the donkey and then God stops him. I mean, the donkey stops because the donkey can see what God's doing. Balaam can't, right? But I want you to understand something. By this point, Moabites, this is some 400 years later. By this point, the Moabites are now worshiping Baal, the Canaanite fertility god. And if anybody knows anything about a fertility god, it's so that you can pray to him and do all those acts to him so that he can bless your child rearing, he can bless your crops, 
He can bless your, give you rain in its season so that it will bless your crops so that you can take care of your people. Well, if you're a fertility God, there's all sorts of rites and traditions and, and probably cult prostitutes and things like that that go along with that fertility thing. And as Israel is camped here and Balaam can't, can't curse them, the Moabite women actually who were a part of this fertility religion entice the Israelite men to do what men do with women and worship Baal as a God. Y'all with me? And so God has to bring some punishment on Israel and kills, I think it was over 10,000 of them. It's more than that. And one of them even gets a wife from Edom, Esau's descendants, brings them back in the tent, and the priest of Israel has to go in and kill both of them just to stop God's plague from coming on them. I want you to understand something. Lot, who was at one point connected and kin to Abraham and had access to the God of the universe, actually his angels rescuing him from the very destruction of God 400 years later, his people are so off course that they can't even, they're not even worshiping God at all. They're worshiping Baal, his descendants. And I want us to understand something here. All of us, our natural bent is never to grow closer to God on our own. Look at your marriage. Those of you who are married. Did you naturally go grow closer to one another in your marriage or did you have to work at it? Do what? Mama Jerry said you got to work on it and I am totally in agreement. Totally in agreement. We all drift towards isolation and alienation naturally. And if you follow the train of, of, of the scripture, you'll see that once Adam and Eve sinned, the next one's Cain, he kills somebody, all of his descendants are separated from God. Once they repopulated the earth with Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives, they, they ended up with their descendants drifting from God. And as the nations spread all over the earth, they slowly, even though they all had the same granddaddy, right? They've drifted and they've drifted and, and, and they're no longer sitting in, in the religion close to God like this. They've drifted to the parking lot. And then they're not even you know, in the parking lot anymore, they're, they're, they're at home. And then they're not even at home anymore. They're in the, the bar where they're drowning their sorrows and, and their drift. The drift is always away from Jesus. It's always away from God. And God is screaming out, where are you? Okay. And some may say, well, it doesn't really seem like he cared for the Moabites that much. Doesn't seem like he, he just, it just seemed like he cared for Israel. I'll tell you a story. And I got to hurry. Okay? Shoo. I got to hurry. No, you don't. Thank you, Mama Jerry. Um, in the time of the judges, which was after the time of Joshua when he entered the promised land, okay? We have a little story where Israel is so disobedient to God, he's punishing them and they go through this cycle. He's punishing them to draw them back to him because he loves his relationship with them. But now he's brought famine on the land and there's uh, a guy by the name of Limelech and his wife Naomi and they move from Bethlehem in Judah, okay? They move from Bethlehem in Judah up here to the land of Moab, right? And obviously, because they had some food and Bethlehem didn't. And while they're there, Naomi loses her husband and she loses Malon and Chilion, her sons. And they had taken wives that were Moabite women, which God didn't want because... Just like it happened 
back in when Israel was first camping on the plains, they would steal their heart to worship Baal. And God is jealous for his relationship with us and wants our worship solely for him, our love for him. Right? Well, we all know the story. Let's let, turn, turn to Ruth for just a second. Joshua judges Ruth, right? Look at chapter one, verse one. It says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. You say that? In the days of the judges. That there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want you to fast forward. And Ruth is now telling, I mean, Naomi's telling Ruth, her two daughters-in-law, look, I've got to go back to Bethlehem. I don't have a son. I don't have a husband. I'm in a mess. You guys go back to your people. And I want you to see something. Verse 16 of chapter 1. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your your God, my God. Y'all catch that? So, the Moabites don't have such a great start. They got their start because God was punishing cities and sent one man out running. Their start was born out of discipline. And out of that discipline, two girls got scared and did stuff with their father they shouldn't have done with their father. It's a poor start. And I don't know if any of you have ever had a poor start. A poor upbringing, a poor whatever. And God knows the whole background. God knows the whole story. He knows what the Moabites did to the Israelites. And God is orchestrating things here of immense proportions. And he chooses Ruth. And Ruth buys into this Yahweh thing and she leaves her God for God. And so we've got God's children leaving their God for this false God who can't do a thing. But now we've got a Moabite woman who recognizes that there is a God in Israel and she's willing to give up her God to run and worship the true God, Yahweh. And watch what happens. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. First thing I want you to do when you get there, I want you to read through verse 16, I think it is. Just glance, don't, just, just glance over it and tell me how many women you find in the genealogy. Anybody have a guess? Huh? There's one woman in the genealogy. All right, that's not all. There is one woman there. How many other women are mentioned in the genealogy here of Jesus? Two? We got a guess for two. That's not all. Three? There's actually five women mentioned if you count Mary. All right? In the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important? Here's what I want you to do. Look at verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. 
Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. You know, the 12 brothers, right? Joseph was one of them. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Okay, so there's a woman who acted like a prostitute. Are y'all with me? Perez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, and I didn't talk to you about that one because I didn't have enough time. Boaz begot Obed by... Whoop, is anybody perking up? Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Now let's see who Obed's... The father of Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot who? David. David the king. And we all know that the Messiah is coming from David the king. So check this out. Guys, we may think God doesn't love the Gentiles at all. He, he doesn't have his heart set on the Gentiles. It's only on God's chosen people, and he's bringing the Messiah through his chosen people. But he has so orchestrated history that he... Uh, won over the heart of a Moabite woman so much so that he allowed her to be the grandmother of King David and the long um, descendant, I mean, not descendant, but um, great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ himself. This is huge, guys. It's huge. God takes this woman from a nation who worshiped Baal, fertility God, and actually because of her choice to say, Yahweh is the true God. I'm going to bow to him. And he uses her to bring in his Messiah. Can I ask you something? Is God able to take poor starts and work them around for his glory? Is God able to take pagans outside of his chosen people, Israel, and change them and use them for his glory. And it's right there in Scripture. I had some other things I wanted to say. I think I'm going to save them for next week because I'm out of time. And I'll save the video clip for next week too. But guys... These next couple weeks are going to be about the fact of being people with poor starts. Being people who either are like this and wondering what in the world God can do with somebody like me or being people who, who, who we're not in here anymore but we're out in the parking lot and we're, we, we don't have enough umph to even make it inside the church. I'm wondering if, if God can do anything with me. Or, or, or being people who, 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 gosh, just certain Sundays I can't even make it to church. And wondering if God can do anything with me. And we're going to take it a step further after that. But this morning is about you. <coughs> If you've ever been one of those people who has understood what Adam and Eve felt in the Garden of Eden to where they had to hide themselves. And you want to get that straight right now before God. He wants to cover your shame.